0: Hello, you're listening to KUBU FM, low power and the voice of Sacramento. You can find KUBU locally at ninety-six point five on your FM dial or cable access channel seventeen and eighteen. You can also listen in on the internet at accesssacramento.org. This program is Making Tracks, and I'm your host Dale Steele. Rod weekly at this day and time. You can also find more information about what is covered on the show at daletracks.blogspot.com, and you can contact me there if you have questions or suggestions about the show. I'm traveling and replaying previous Making track shows. I'll be back with new programs. Did you know that Sacramento has a regional park gateway to the American River? Maybe so, but did you also know that that park is located on the city's former landfill? Well, Friends of Sutter's Landing Park and others are working to enhance this former landfill to provide better habitat, recreation, and environmental education opportunities. For more information on what Friends of Sutter's Landing Park envision for this former landfill and now regional park, at least in title, visit their website sutterslandingpark.org. Today we'll also discuss what can be involved in converting landfills to parks. And unfortunately, Nutria, a very large and invasive aquatic rodent, appears to be expanding its range in our region with possible nearby recent sightings, and this could pose a new threat to the Delta and Central Valley. We'll hear more about that today. Music today Seasons by Rebel Diaz, and Nutria Rats by Tommy Kibb and Matt Castillo, available online. CD Baby, we'll also hear Piece of the Wild Things again by Wendell Berry. And now, head outside when you can. It's time for Making Tracks. After much delay, And under clear blue skies on January 19th, people gathered to acknowledge completion of the bike trail and other features of a state grant project that Friends of Sutter's Landing Park played a large role in helping the city of Sacramento be awarded. The project came together around 2011, but delays and conflicts slowed the start of construction by one to two years. Meant to better establish Sutter's Landing Park as the city's gateway to the American River Parkway, the project included less than a mile of paved bike trail, removal of invasive plants, establishment of native vegetation, creation of a defined staging area, plaques, and more. The city still needs to construct a much-needed restroom as grant match, but landfill constraints, safety and maintenance concerns, and cost overruns have delayed it maybe next year. project is a compromise, at best, of the design and goals suggested by neighborhood groups and organizations, but it does meet the need for a basic gateway. Most of the people who attended the two community design workshops strongly objected to the idea of rock gabions, which now disappointingly fill the area. The hope is that the features that are missing or inadequate can be improved over time. Future phases should extend the bike trail eastward to Sac State, expand the size of Sutter's Landing Park, and further improve adjacent areas of the American River Parkway. The recent establishment of a Lower American River Conservancy creates a means to continue and expand this type of work. Future phases will hopefully include acquisition of additional lands to the west of Sutter's Landing Park, relocation of buildings and other infrastructure away from the river, and ultimately, restoration and creation of more riparian and upland habitats and recreation opportunities to enjoy this unique resource. With we'll swallows, kestrels, and other raptors were present to welcome everyone, as always, and to take in the scene The bright blue skies and wispy clouds welcomed all the visitors. The number of visitors and impacts on the area have increased greatly since back when this project was envisioned. Today's visitors included a young man with a cat in a carrier on a skateboard, a drone flyer, cyclocross participants, and a number of other bike riders on gear able to travel in many areas not paved. Dogs of all shapes, sizes, age, health, and level of restraint were also present. A young crew of Sacramento Regional Conservation Corps was on hand to maintain the area, which is in good shape now. One nearby bike rider pushed along a cart full of his camping gear while his partner had a stroller pushing a five-gallon water jug back to camp. Many joggers, walkers, bird watchers, nature lovers, thrill seekers, and other types of enthusiasts are seen regularly now at Sutter's Landing Park. One thing for sure, Sutter's Landing Park and the project site will receive much more use and wear by all in the months ahead this year and beyond. This includes many new and recent visitors and all that they bring as they come out to enjoy this very special area. Park, a former landfill, has been cobbled together while the main focus remains to complete containment monitoring requirement that came with closing the landfill in the 1990s. It's unfortunate that more emphasis didn't go into closing the landfill and creating a regional park to service the growing needs of the city of Sacramento for open space and recreation, as well as preserving wildlife habitat and ecological services. But it's not too late to do so now, and the creation of the State Lower American River Conservancy, now with funding to help fund projects and provide grants to restore, enhance, interpret, protect, and improve public access to the American River Parkways, much more can be done. But what's involved with converting a landfill to a park? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's take a closer look at what some cities have done to create parkland from capped landfills. The following comes from an excerpt from a recently released book, Urban Green, Innovative Parks for Resurgent Cities, published by Island Press. From Dumps to Destinations, Converting Landfills to Park. New parks can be fashioned out of old garbage dumps. it's not as bad as it sounds balloon park in albuquerque caesar chavez park in berkeley McAlpine Creek Soccer Complex in Charlotte, Red Rock Canyon Open Space in Colorado Springs, and hundreds of others, both famous and obscure, have been created from landfills. And in a few more years, New York City's 2,200-acre Fresh Kills Landfill will have settled in to become that city's largest park. Landfill parks go back at least to 1916. That's many years before the word landfill was even coined, when the old Rainier Dump in Seattle was turned into the Rainier Playfield. New York City closed the putrid corona dumps, famously called the Valley of Ashes by F. Scott Fitzgerald and the Great Gatsby, and began preparing the land for construction of the 1939 World's Fair. Following World War II, as a fresh volume of trash in America mushroom, so did the number of landfills. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, estimates that as many as 3,500 landfills have closed since 1991. The number from earlier years is anyone's guess. Center's Landing was closed in that general time frame, too. In an ideal world, all trash would be recycled and there would be no landfills. But in a time of severe urban space and resource constraint, closed landfills represent excellent locales for three big reasons. Size, location, and cost. A former dump is usually one of the few large open locations within a dense metro area. There's also the opportunity to correct what may have been a long-standing environmental injustice to the surrounding residents. Finally, there's a good chance that the landfill, which may be as small as a few dozen acres or as large as a thousand or more acres, could be free or inexpensive to buy, or possibly that it even comes with its own supporting funds. While a capped landfill is not necessarily a park director's first choice for a parcel of land, it's impressive and instructive that so many perfectly adequate, or even better than adequate, city parks started out as dumps. Communities from coast to coast have been jumping at the chance to use them. Based on a survey, the Center for City Park Excellence estimates that there have already been as many as 4,500 acres of landfill parks created in major U.S. cities. Portland, Oregon, the Park Department is getting a free 25-acre park. All closure and conversion costs for Cully Park were paid for by the Solid Waste Department, which built up a reserve for exactly that purpose. And the Park Department coordinates closely in habitat development and vegetation management too. Fresno, California, the landfill isn't even being officially transferred over. The Public Utilities Department will own it in perpetuity, but will sign a management agreement with the Parks and Recreation Department. Frankly, a cheap purchase price is important because preparation costs can be significant. Depending on the age and contents of the landfill, the amount of groundwater or soil contamination, and the planned recreational use, construction costs have ranged from $500,000 for a two-acre site to $30 million for a regional park of more than 100 acres, around the size of Sutter's Landing Park. Expenses depend on such factors as topography, availability of materials, cover design, and much more. Calculation by the center of for city park excellence, puts the average at around $300,000 per acre. Financial responsibility for these and other costs may lie solely with the park developer or be shared by the landfill owner-operator. The construction of multiple solid waste landfills has been regulated since 1991 by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. An owner-operator must install a 24-inch earthen cover to minimize water infiltration and erosion. cover usually also has a gas venting layer and a stone or synthetic biotic layer to keep out burrowing animals. The EPA requires groundwater monitoring and leachate collection for 30 years or more after the landfill is closed. I should mention in California, there are also state regulations that come into play. Technically, the two big challenges to closing a former landfill are gas production and ground settlement. Landfill gases, including methane, carbon dioxide, ammonia, and hydrogen sulfide are created when buried waste decomposes. Methane may be released for 30 or more years after closure and EPA requires gas collection systems parks built on pre-1991 landfills, there were occasional stories of picnickers being stunned to see a column of flames surrounding a barbecue grill. We wouldn't want that. Portland, Oregon, the St. John's Landfill, a former disposal site within the 2,000-acre Smith-Bybee Wetlands Natural Area, earns more than $100,000 a year from methane that is piped two miles to heat Cement Company. Settlement is a bit tougher. Like cereal in a box, municipal landfills gradually slump as much as 20% over a two or three decade period. That much settlement would cause foundations to break and sink, utilities and irrigation pipes to burst, roads and paths to crack and heave, light poles to tilt, and sports fields to crumple. Obviously, if the ultimate reuse of a landfill is as a natural wildland, none of this matters but most recreational reuses require the construction of at least trails, if not fields and buildings of various types. Fortunately, waste sits only in cells in certain areas of a landfill, and park facilities can be safely constructed over undisturbed areas, leaving the settling sections to support grass and shrubbery. The key is to know exactly where the waste is. At New York's Fresh Kills, only about 45% of the landfill was actually used for waste disposal. Despite the many successful individual examples, there is not yet a seamless landfills to parks movements in the United States. Numerous challenges remain, technological, political, and legal, all of which drive up costs. Back when land was more easily available, the impediments were generally not worth taking on. Now, in many cases, they are. With a three-pronged effort to design safer waste dumps, to work more closely with community activists, and to ensure protection from legal liabilities, cities will be able to gain much new parkland from abandoned landfills. to KUBU-FM, Low Power and the Voice of Sacramento. This program is Making Tracks, and I'm your host Dale Steele. We're on weekly at this day and time. Recent headlines indicated that nutria have been discovered in the San Joaquin Valley and are headed our way. So what? Why should we worry about that? Well, in other states where they've been Established, losses to wetlands, severe soil erosion, agricultural crop loss, damage to levee banks, dikes, and roadbeds have all been documented. Nutri have also been shown to degradate water quality and can contaminate drinking water supplies with parasites and diseases transmittable to human, livestock, and pets. Got your attention now? Well, nutria are very large semi-aquatic rodents that can get up to two and a half feet long in body length with an additional 12-inch tail and weigh in up to 20 pounds. They're native to South America, and they resemble our native beaver or smaller muskrats. Their round, sparsely-haired tails distinguish them from beaver, and nutria are much larger than muskrats. Female nutria are reproductive by six months of age. They breed year-round and can produce up to three litters in 13 months. With approximately one year of reaching reproductive maturity, a female nutria can result in more than 200 offspring, which can disperse up to 50 miles. Nutria are destructive, wasteful feeders that destroy up to 10 times the vegetation they consume. Signs of their presence typically include cut emergent vegetation, such as cattails and bulrushes, where only the base portions were eaten and the stems are left floating. Nutria construct burrows with entrances typically below the waterline, though changing water levels may reveal openings. Similar to other aquatic mammals, nutria often create runways or paths in and out of the water between aquatic sites. Nutria tracks have four visible front toes, and on their hind feet there's webbing between the four four of the five toes. Tracks are often accompanied by narrow tail-dragging marks. Well, how did nutria reach the U.S.? It first became popular as fur in the 1930s, when they were worn by such Hollywood stars as Greta Garbo. Their fur resembles beaver with stiff guard hairs and a soft short undercoat. Well, they were originally imported to the southern United States, possibly as early as the 19th century, although larger numbers in the 1950s. They were intended to reduce the populations of muskrats there. Some escaped and found the swamps of Louisiana ideal territory, leading to their common name thereof, Swamp Rat, With the decline of the fur trade in the 1980s, populations mushroomed and threatened the stability of the wetland ecosystem, thereby eating away the plants that hold the swamps together. Well, recently, nutria have been promoted as a socially acceptable way to wear fur by a, a national estuary program, which is a conservation body working to preserve the Louisiana swampland that is actually threatened by the nutria. So if you can't control them one way, make a market out of them. Well, since March 30th of 2017, more than 20 nutria, including males, pregnant females, and juveniles, have been documented within the private wetlands near Gustine, on the duck clubs, in the Merced River near Cressy, adjacent to the San Joaquin River near Grayson, south of Dos Palos, the San Luis National Wildlife Refuge, and Salt Slough on the San Joaquin River. The full extent of this infestation is not yet known. NUTRIA were sited in the Delta area back in the 1970s, and a re- removal effort then was thought to be successful until recent report. A multi-agency NUTRIA response team, which includes representatives from California Department of Fish and Wildlife, California Department of Food and Agriculture, Parks and Recreation, Water Resources, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, as well as local county Agricultural Commission officers, has convened with the goal of eradicating nutria from California. The response team is currently preparing an eradication plan. The first stage is determining the full extent of the infestation. So assistance from local landowners and the public throughout the Central Valley, the San Joaquin Delta, and beyond is going to be critical to successfully delineating this invasive population. Suspected observations or potential signs of nutria should be photographed and immediately reported to the California Department of Fish and Wildlife's Invasive Species Program, and that's available on, online at their website. You can also send an email to invasives at wildlife.ca.gov, or you can report by phone calling area code 866-440-9530. Observations on state or federal land should be immediately reported to local agency staff on that land. California Department of Fish and Wildlife Service has a webpage on Nutria, and there's a downloadable PDF with photographs and detailed descriptions of these rodents in their preferred habitat and the environmental threats that they present.
1: get real fat They ain't half as scary As the big old new tracks. Talking about a new track. Big fat furry nutri track. You better keep the leash on your dog Watch out for all you can Watch for the nutri Some still eat the meat. When it comes to recreating, the numbers can't be beat. I'm talking about a neuter rat. Big, fat, furry neuter rat. You better keep the leash on your dog. Watch out for your cat. Like a little rat. To Louisiana, down around Argentina Lead the roots up, out the ledges There ain't a rat any meaner talking about a new terrain Big fat furry new terrain Better keep a leash on your dog Watch out for your cat Watch for the new giraffe Womp beavers, they eat up a quarter that way today, man, that's a lot of lucha crap, eating up all the leather, tearing up the wetland, man, if you see one, that's 45 more, they make 15 babies a year, oh man, that's lucha rat.
0: Rats by Tommy Kibb and Matt Castillo, available online. CD Baby. The piece of wild things, when despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free. The Peace of the Wild Things by Wendell Berry.
2: Fall back, spring forward, another high chorus. Summer, winter, the cold is yet upon us. Trust. Here, changing the air, that's why we put it in the air. Beware, beware. Fall back, spring forward. Another high chorus. Summer, winter, the coldest shit yeah. upon us. Hush. Listen to it, you can hear it That's just the universe speaking Don't fear it, vibe with it Might feel different Silence is golden only if you pause to give it a listen I'm wishing I could tone it down But my town filled with lights At war with darkness imposed by night No rest. sunset, unrest Simmers in summer, winter indoors Weather disruptions we under Bundle up, it's a showdown the under snow now North Dakota is warm, how many ways? Gonna attempt to explain the next hurricane, an earthquake, tidal waves in the Atlantic, can't get stranded in Manhattan, I'll be happy in the Bronx, looking ahead north, upstate with some land, crops to feed my fam, make sure they don't frack with my water supply. Fall back, spring forward with another hot chorus, summer, winter, the cold is yet upon us, trust, fear, changing the air, that's why we put it in the air, beware, beware, fall back. Bring forward another high chorus. Summer, winter, the coldest shit upon us. Mama earth cries, the corporations have abused her. They treat her like a prostitute, they just use her. They drain lakes and rivers till we end up river Phoenix. Gone, way too young, quite the horrible experience. Be patient. Don't be thirsty like hear Real talk, they at war for the rights of clean water. Truck smoke in the air, so the shorties get asthma. Smoke from the L got they minds in the rafters. What up, Mr. Trucker? Dropping off the toxic waste? Why you dumping all the garbage from the whole tri-state? E. coli in the air, quite the violent strain. Grandma got diabetes, Uncle Easy had AIDS. My mental kinda rocky, like Stallone and Apollo. So I made the right choice and put down that bottle. I feel happy, I'm in tune with nature and my surroundings. I always go clean. it makes everything outstanding. Fall back, spring forward, another hot chorus. Summer, winter, the coldest year upon us. Trust, fear, change in the air. That's why we put it in the air. Beware, beware. Fall back. Bring forward another high chorus
0: Summer, winter, the coldest shit upon us Seasons by Rebel Diaz off to Buy This Fracking album Don't forget to check out my other radio program on KUBU. The Climate Report focuses on local climate actions and more, sponsored by 350 Sacramento, every Wednesday at noon. And be sure to tune in Tuesdays at 1 p.m. For Radio EcoShock, the latest on science, issues, and authors dealing with climate change and the environment on a global scale. Hosted and produced by Alex Smith. Don't miss it. You're listening to kubu FM, Low Power and Voices Sacramento. find KUBU locally at 96.5 on your FM dial or cable access channels 17 and 18. You can also listen in on the internet at accesssacramento.org This program is Making Tracks. Again, thank you for listening. (laughs)